When a lot of people think about the greater Yellowstone area, images of bison, bears, wolves, elk, cutthroat trout likely fill their thoughts. This area is iconic for wildlife. And today, I talk with Bev Dixon, forest biologist, about forest planning and wildlife. All right, Bev, so do you want to get started today by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, My name's Bev Dixon. I'm the wildlife biologist on the forest plan revision team. I grew up in Bozeman and received my bachelor's degree and a master's degree in fish and wildlife management from Montana State University. I began my forest service career here on the Gallatin National Forest, and I have over 30 years of experience mostly as a wildlife biologist here on the Custer Gallatin. Wow. So you grew up in Bozeman and then started your career here as well. I have. I yeah, entire career right here. Wow. That's pretty unique. All right. So when you think of wildlife and the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, paint me a picture of wildlife in this context. You bet. Um, the greater Yellowstone is not only one of the most iconic, but is actually one of the largest intact ecosystems in the world. It continues to support a full suite of the native wildlife species that were known to occur here prior to European settlement. A lot of the species that thrive here today include a number of of species that were previously extirpated or dramatically reduced, and these have now recovered to a point where their long-term persistence is likely. Some of those include species like the bald eagle, peregrine falcon, gray wolf, the plains bison, and even the grizzly bear. Wow. Okay. And I know that your forest is not just the greater Yellowstone area. Can you also paint a picture of those Eastern districts, the Ashland and the Sioux? Right. Yeah. The Ashland and Sioux districts are distinctly different from those in the greater Yellowstone. They're in more of a pine savanna type ecosystem as opposed to our mountainous uh, terrain here in the greater Yellowstone. But they also host a wide variety of native wildlife species. And in fact, a lot of species that have um, recently been expanding into those areas and haven't been seen in decades. Uh, These include species such as elk, moose, black bear, and mountain lions. So Bev, how does managing wildlife work? Can you help me understand the roles of the Forest Service and then the states in managing wildlife? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, The agency roles are established by law, and the enabling legislation for both the state and federal agencies mandates a coordinated conservation of wildlife and habitat. As a result of that, the responsibility for management of wildlife on the national forest is jointly held by both the state and federal agencies. The primary role of the Forest Service is management of habitat, whereas the state agencies have the lead role in managing the wildlife populations. Okay, so the Forest Service manages the habitat and then the states manage the wildlife themselves? Broadly put, yes, but we want to emphasize that it is a joint management and coordinated between the agencies. So what are some key highlights of this forest plan to draw out as it relates to wildlife? Yeah, for me, one of, the, one of the main highlights is that there's more integration between the different disciplines. That includes both the ecological resources as well as the social and economic considerations of planning. 
This integration is achieved through a coarse filter, fine filter approach, where the coarse filter provides for habitat conditions within the natural range of variation over time, and the fine filter supplements that with additional species or habitat-specific measures where needed. A new plan would focus on providing for a diversity of plant and animal communities and the long-term persistence of native species on the forest. A new plan would contain detailed proactive steps to conserve habitat connectivity, which is a really important habitat feature. And this is focused both within the forest as well as across administrative boundaries. Habitat connectivity is needed for daily and seasonal movement of animals, as well as to facilitate dispersal needs of individuals and maintain the genetic diversity of populations. The habitat connectivity here within the Custer Gallatin has been well-preserved over time throughout much of the forest through protective measures associated with designated areas like wilderness, but also through best management practices used to protect vital ecological conditions like healthy riparian areas, for example. Um, one aspect that is pretty new to this planning process is the role of key linkage areas that are important for the natural flow of wildlife and may require some added attention for proximity to permanent developments like interstate highways, for example. Under most of our planning alternatives, these key linkage areas would be subject to some additional specific plan direction focused on maintaining habitat connectivity over time. Um, probably a final highlight of this new planning effort is the ability to incorporate new science, both now and into the future, in order to make this plan more adaptable to changing conditions over time. All right, thanks. So my follow-up question to that is, what kind of information can the public provide during this upcoming comment period that can add value or help support the decision in the context of wildlife? Now, the best kind of information the public can provide for me as a specialist is to really get specific in their comments about how and why the DEIS either met their expectations and need for information or not, and where information may be lacking in their perception or inaccurate, um, some really detailed comments about what was lacking or what was wrong and how it can be remedied. That's what would be most helpful to me. Thanks for tuning in to the Custer Gallatin National Forest Podcast. Our next episode continues along the wildlife theme where we dive into watersheds and aquatic species.